This is the Illuminate Podcast, a Sandy Boy production. Each week on the Illuminate Podcast, the hosts will bring you insightful conversations and stories of people who are illuminating their own lives through their business, work, community, family, and world. Hello, and welcome to the Illuminate Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Emma Benner, and today you are listening to episode 93 with Susanna Walford. Susanna is the founder of Running Start, a nonprofit organization that is aimed to inspire young women and girls to pursue political leadership. They have training programs that are focused on educating young women about leadership, campaign strategy, and teamwork without a partisan lens. So basically what they're doing, what their mission is, is that they're committed to training a diverse group of young women to run for political office. So I really enjoyed in this conversation hearing from Susanna all about the work and the programs that they put on at Running Start and as well as how we can all encourage young girls and women to take up leadership and political positions and different women in politics to be watching as well as her own female role models and so much more. I really loved my conversation with Susanna and I could have talked with her forever. I just feel so lucky in these conversations that I get to talk to such incredible people doing such good work in the world like Susanna. So with that, I hope you enjoy my conversation. All right. Well, today on the Illuminate podcast, I am so excited to be joined by Susanna Welford. Welcome to the podcast, Susanna. Thanks for having me on, Emma. Yeah. Well, let's get started. Just introduce yourself and share what you're all about and what keeps you busy every day. Yeah. Uh, well, I'll, I will tell you, I for the last 15 years, I have been running a nonpartisan nonprofit called Running Start that works to get young women to see themselves as powerful people who can be change makers, but especially in politics. So we're trying to get a whole generation of young women to enter the pipeline to politics so that they can change everything, frankly, that we don't like about politics for the better. And uh, we have seen over the years, lots of them run for office, uh, either for student government at their schools or for state legislature or city council. Uh, but we have one woman in Congress, Congresswoman Lauren Underwood from Illinois. And we just found out that one of our earliest alums from 2009 is running for Congress uh, this, this coming cycle. So um, it's it's a really exciting, awesome job. And when you say, what do I spend my day doing? I mean, it's no time soon is this problem going to be solved that we don't have enough women in power at any level of of it's not just government of course you know um corporate as well and academia and the law like every everywhere you look women were not in the the highest positions in nearly the numbers that we you know that we represent in the population so um so i am going to have a very busy day job um for the foreseeable future Yeah. So that nonprofit is Running Start. So can you talk about what led you to start this nonprofit and how you got to this point in your career? 
Yeah, definitely. So I grew up in Washington, D.C., and I grew up to really political parents. And you know, probably a lot of people who grew up in D.C. had similar backgrounds. It was really easy to get political internships in the summer. All my parents' friends were really political and they were political. So I grew up really thinking a lot about politics and uh, being really interested and excited about politics. And But as the years uh, went by, I realized the piece of politics that excited me, the piece that I, I really liked and wanted to focus on, um, was not, you know, the the politics of um, who gets elected when and, you know, um, the whole game of it. It was really about once people get elected, they can really directly change things that are not working in society, in their communities, you know, of course, even in their schools when you talk about student government. And I, I really got obsessed, um, you know, about 20 years ago with this idea that so many women, they don't see themselves as the people who can be in that top position of power. Because, you know, for forever, we haven't been, uh, you know, for the history of the world, you know, in most societies, women were not the top leaders. And so the idea behind um, Running Start and, and the reason I, I founded it is you know, if you look at, there's a ton of research that talks about why do women not run for office? And when you look at why, you know, what they say when they say they don't want to run, so often these qualified, amazing, powerful women will say, I, I don't know if I know enough to run. I don't know if I, I am qualified enough to actually be wow. able to do this. I know it's so crazy, isn't it? And mm -hmm. I, I always think like, how how is it that so many of us have somehow, you know, incorporated that message, you know, that we don't have what it takes to be that top person. Um, and so it was really reading that research. I, I remember literally where I was. I, I was picking my, I have twins. I was picking them up from school and I got there a little bit early. And I went on this long walk around the block and was thinking about how, so I was at that point, I was running a, a political action committee that I'd started. And that, um, the, the point of that was to help elect women under 40 to Congress. And I was so frustrated because there were not enough women to support. Like, you know, we had this mm. great pack that was going to help women get yeah. into Congress, but then they just weren't running. And I thought, you know, I was passing the playground and I saw all these kids and I was thinking, if kids got that message early, that they were good enough, that if they, you know, if they could understand that they do have what it takes and that by stepping into power, they're going to change everything. Everything is going to be better because we're going to have new ideas. We're going to have um, new styles of leadership. So if we could just get to those kids, then they would grow up the type of people, the type of women who'd know they belong in power. And so that's, I mean, that's really where the idea of Running Start came from. And you know, 15 years later, I have seen it work again and again and again in ways that, I mean, Emma, it's crazy to, to think of it this way, but I feel like it's sort of a magic that I don't even understand, mm, you know, because yeah. we bring these, these young women in and the stuff we do, I've never thought it was all that, you know, it's not, 
it's not um, all that groundbreaking or crazy. It's just here are the skills you need to know. You need to know how to do public speaking. You need to know how to ask for money. You need to know how to talk passionately about what you care about. But somewhere along the way, it's like they get their soul gets energized. They understand that they are something more than what they had thought that they could be. And it's just, it's so powerful. It's really so exciting to, to be in the room with them when that happens. So how are you finding the girls, the young women that you work with? Well, um, it's, I just got off a meeting with my staff talking about our high school program that we're doing this year. I, I, I should know the day it starts, but I mean, it's the, <laughs> it's the last week in June. Yeah. So, um, and we have over a hundred women who've applied to that program this year. And that's really a pattern that since the beginning in 2007, young women have found us mm, wow. and it's made us a teeny bit lazy. Like we have never <laughs> hired a PR firm to, you know, try to get the word out there because they always find us. And when we ask them, well, where'd you find us? They really frequently, they, they will Google young women politics and, and we come up. So, um, I just, I think it's so, it's so great that so many young women understand why they need the skills that we're offering at Running Start. So is it more so that individuals are coming to you, like one individual girl is coming to you to ask for help or to join a program, or are more so school leaders or some other nonprofits or some other group leaders coming to you and asking, can we have this group of 30 young girls and women come mm to your programs? So it's a little bit of both. Um, we, it's usually for our high school program and our college fellowship program, it is young women individually finding out about us and applying. But we do have this other program called Elector that is a one-day training. And for that program, we have traditionally done it at colleges. Uh, we'll go to a college and we'll train you know, a group of students at the college. And we recently started doing it at high schools, which is really fun and exciting. And then last year, we did a great training with a, another nonprofit group started by one of our alums called Exaleader. And we trained a um, hundred HBCU women leaders. So yeah, so it's a little bit of both, but we, I, I really want it to always be open to that individual who's just She's so passionate. She mm -hmm. wants to do something. She wants to like make a change in her community, and she just needs somebody to um, to help to help her out to support her with that with that dream. I love that. And then, what do what do the programs look like at Running Start? Like, yeah. what's the basic outline? I'm sure you have several different <laughs> ones that kind of have a diff different things at play. But your basic structure of programs what what do you teach? How do you set that yeah. up? And what do you do? Yeah. So, I mean, of course, my answer today is totally different than if you'd asked me in uh, at the beginning of March 2020. Right. Right. Because, <laughs> yeah. I mean, the really crazy thing is that until March what 13th, every program that Running Start did was in person. And I used to brag oh, wow. about it. I was mm -hmm. like, you know, it's really important. You you have uh, you're in the same room with somebody. Mm -hmm. You can look them in the eye. Um, but the truth is. You know, we really, we pivoted very quickly during mm -hmm. the pandemic to online trainings and 
the online trainings are so good and they're so, they can be so intimate, right? you know, it, it's, uh, I, it's such a surprise to me because I, I, I never, yeah, I do. Feel like, I, well, I just feel like we've all kind of realized that like, there's so many things that you don't need to commute for. You don't need to, no. um, go some, you know, drive 30 minutes for this hour meeting that could just be yeah. as good online. I mean, I still think there's so much benefit to being in person for a meeting and in person for a lot of things, but the reach that you can have with those virtual programs of people far across the country and the world is so cool. I'm sure you've reached more people doing it too. Oh my gosh. I mean, my favorite thing that we did is we we've, we've been looking for ways to bring back our alums, but we didn't have funding for it. And so mm -hmm. last year we thought, okay, what if we do a mentorship program where we get the coolest women that we can find, you know, so um, elected women, not just from the US, but around the world, um, women CEOs, actresses, like just, just badass women generally. And what if we, um, we bring in alums and they sit in small groups and they get to have real conversations. And so that was one of my favorite things that we did during the pandemic. And um, they, those groups, they, they, the conversations they had were so powerful and they were, you know, the people on each of those Zooms was, they were coming from all different parts of the world. And mm -hmm. that's, of course, it would have been impossible to do that earlier or maybe just very, very expensive. Mm -hmm. But Emma, to get back to your question about how, how do we train? Yeah. So high school program right now, it's a month long program in person, which I really hope uh, we're back in person with that program next summer. It's a week in person. Uh, and then we have a semester long fellowship, which is currently also virtual, but uh, soon we'll be back in person. And then this lecture training. And even though in the lecture trainings a day, fellowships is a semester and then the high school is, you know, usually a week, but the curriculum is really similar, even though the length of time is different. And we really, we break down our training into three major points uh, that we teach confidence, we teach capabilities, and we teach connection or we give connection. And that's, you know, really confidence this is what we were talking about before, that we help women who come through our programs break down those barriers that say, not you, you can't do this. And we, you know, we have lots of, of exercises and games uh, to play with them. And we bring in really inspirational speakers so that they can start to really change their mindset about what they're capable of. And then with capabilities, we really believe in hands-on that you know, the only way that you're ever going to get better at something is to be forced to do something that is scary and is outside of your comfort zone. And so we we do training exercises in fundraising in like i said before in messaging in a lot of stuff in public speaking in how to talk to the media because that can be such a, a, a really terrifying thing to do if you've never yeah. done it before and all of them we bring in practitioners who you know will bring in somebody from the media to talk about how to talk to the media and then people have to stand up and they have to they have to actually practice those skills. And um, so 
capabilities is, I feel like that's, I mean, that's like the essential thing that we do. Mm-hmm. And then the last thing is connections because so many of the the students or the, the young women who come to us, they come from communities where they don't have a lot of support. So they have a dream, but they don't have a lot of people who can help them to achieve that dream. And so we bring in I mean, I feel like I'm like a collector of people. Every time I meet somebody cool, I write down their name. I'm like, I'm going to get them to mentor. So oh, we bring, it. it's, yeah, it's so awesome. And so we have, you know, this enormous uh, group of women and men who are just really good people doing amazing things who will come in and, and support our women and mentor them and just help them, help them get onto that next step in their path to leadership. So those are the big things we do. I just have to imagine how transformational that is because I think about my own childhood and I had Mm -hmm. parents that encouraged me to be anything I wanted and to be a leader or whatever, but I don't remember that in any educational way or really Uh, anything, mm -hmm. especially as a young girl. And I don't know, did young boys have that? I don't know, but I'm just (laughs) thinking just how transformational that would be for someone that has that passion and foresees themselves in that position yeah. and has this mentorship and this opportunity in these programs. Yeah, I didn't have it either. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I was in I was in brownies, <laughs> you know, like the yeah. precursor oh, to yeah, Girl yeah. Scouts. But I mean, I think that was the last thing like that I did. And I, you know, when I was talking earlier about the magic of Running Starts programming, it really does feel like that to me. Like mm-hmm. you're sitting there with somebody so frequently, frequently students will come up to me like two years ago um, when we were doing our program in person, we, so we do a campaign simulation where oh, wow. we, we do it a little bit differently now, but we used to basically put, we divided the students into teams and then um, they would literally pull names out of the hat. And so, you know, whoever's name we pulled first was the candidate. So we did it that way because we thought if you divide people into teams, there's somebody on that team who's going to be really confident and be like, well, I'll be, I'm happy to be the candidate. Mm-hmm. And so we, we wanted it to definitely to put somebody into an uncomfortable position who would never, ever think of herself as a candidate. And so that happened this one time and yeah. this, um, this awesome young woman came up to me with tears in her eyes and she's like, listen, I just got chosen as the candidate for my team and I can't do it. She's like, I'm an introvert. I'm really, really shy. And, and well, I mean, this is the heartbreaking thing. She's like, and I don't even think I can do it because I'm undocumented and I, I don't, I could never even run for office. Mm, Oh my God. That's heartbreaking. It, It really was. So I sat down with her and I was like, look, you know, the fact you're undocumented doesn't mean anything here. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's perfectly fine. And, um, and you know, we designed it this way because we knew it would be hard for some people and that, you know, doing this is going to make you grow so much. And it's, you know, anytime you do something that's really, really hard, that's the thing that that's, you know, that's your lesson. Like that's how you, you get to the next step is by doing these uncomfortable, you know, out of your comfort zone, um, things. And so she became the candidate and 
I mean, and you know the end of the story, right? I mean, she was so good. (laughs) She was great as a candidate. Everybody loved her. And she came into her own because I feel like sometimes, you know, especially when people are counting you out, counting themselves out, Mm -hmm. saying, well, I could never do that. That if other people say, not only not only can you do it, but we really are expecting you to do it. That that expectation can like flip a switch in people sometimes. Other people are expecting me to be great. Other people see me as somebody who can be great. And it's just, I feel like they they walk away with that. Like it's not something that just, you know, like happens and they forget about it. Like it gets deep in them that other people saw them in a way that they never saw themselves. And so, so yeah, so those moments where, when the candidate or when the, um, the students come up to me and say, I don't think I can do this. And then, and then they do. Those are, that's, you know, that's the most beautiful thing. So how can we all do that in our own life? How can we Mm. tackle these issues of the lack of women in leadership roles, especially Mm. in the political roles? As people like myself, I think my worst nightmare is being in a political role. <laughs> I'm very passionate about a, a lot of political issues and a lot of that, but I don't myself want to be in that that mm-hmm. leadership role. That just isn't what I um, dream of for my life, you know? So how right. do I personally help that issue when I don't myself want to be in that role? Right. Okay. Well, so... So I have an easy answer and a hard answer. So the easy <laughs> answer is that uh, encourage the women around you. And, you know, obviously Running Start is all about women. And I talk about women, especially young women. But, you know, at the end of the day, you know what I really want? I want diverse people in Congress. Mm-hmm. I want people who don't look like who's in power to get in power. And so my focus is young women, but getting diverse people in Congress that can be young people or BIPOC people Mm -hmm. or, you know, people with disabilities, Mm -hmm. people who don't currently hold power, when they get into power, they explode things because they, they bring with them, you know, so, so much life experience that we're not getting right now because our Congress and, and, and not just Congress, but like state legislatures, et cetera, tend to be so homogeneous. So encourage the people around you when you see somebody who you think has leadership potential or is just really passionate about about what they're doing or about changing things, encourage them not just to lead, but to think about politics. Because I honestly think until we have more of those people that I just was talking about getting into politics, nothing's ever going to change. And so the hard part is, Emma, that so I I talk all the time to people who say, look, I love what you're doing, but I would never do it. (laughs) And I think I think that the thing to put in the back of your head is if there ever is an issue that you just are so passionate about and nobody else is addressing that issue the way that you think it needs to be done. And it could be I don't know, it could be like as small as a stop sign in a neighborhood that Mm -hmm. whatever, you know, it could be a a little issue. Then don't count yourself out totally because there's so many people who end up in power who they never sought it. They never, it wasn't their dream, but then they got in because it was necessary that, you know, they, they saw that 
somebody needed to do it. And if not them, then who? And so that's what I always think. And I, I have to say, like, I have never run for public office. Mm -hmm. So Emma, I'm right there with you. Okay. (laughs) But, but I, I always think in the back of my mind, if the opportunity came up, Mm. then I have to know that, you know, I have to internalize that I could do it. If there was an opportunity and there was a need for me to run that I wouldn't say, well, I couldn't do it. It couldn't be me because both of us could do it. I'm just telling you, you know, all you need is you need passion. Mm -hmm. You need to really care. And, you know, it helps if you have some of the skills that we were talking about, but all of that stuff can be learned. Well, I like that you say how it can be on such a small level, because I do think about, I mean, I know how much of a difference you can make at such a small level, but I guess I do. My mind first does go to the big, you know, president or governor or like really (laughs) high up positions that just have so many things. I think I get stuck on it with, um, I mean, I really don't foresee ever foresee myself um, running for a political position, but I think what I get hung up on is like, I'm so passionate about certain issues, but then Mm -hmm. like they also have to make decisions on other issues that I'm kind of like, oh, I don't really know what my thoughts are on that, you know? Yeah, no, I I think that that's that's totally right. And some some of the women who come to our program think that they have to, to run for those higher positions, but I always like to tell them, you need to run for the position that matches the issue that you're passionate about. And so we had this this woman um, a few years ago named Avery Bourne. And she, when she went through our program, she was so passionate about the budget and being able to um, to balance budgets. It, not a sexy issue, right? Right. But I mean, but she was totally passionate huh. and she ended up running and winning for state legislature in Illinois. She's the youngest woman ever elected. Um, wow. I feel like she was, yeah, and she's in her fourth term right now. So she's wow. she stayed in, but budget was, that's that's what she has excelled at as a legislator. So, I mean, it's it's really good to know what you care about and then what level of government will fit that need Mm -hmm. because if you really care about i don't know city planning issues don't don't go run for the senate because that's not what you're gonna work on so well one of the things that you wrote about on your website you had a blog post about women's equality not just being for liberals and trying to connect women Uh, of all parties and trying to connect people based on what everyone is similar about and i just really found that interesting because after i read it i sat back and thought about my own stereotype of that right like women's empowerment and stuff does seem more like a liberal Mm -hmm. um the liberal party really pushing for that. So I really enjoyed just kind of how you challenged that and how you connected people of all parties, what they have similar and, and all of that. Do you see that at a young age with girls? I know young girls are, and young kids of all types are really influenced by parents' beliefs. So maybe that's something that, um, they're pushing, but is that something that you find at a young age with the girls that you work with that, they tend to lean a certain way or are they really divided in their beliefs and they just want to be involved? You, you're just trying to get them involved in a, a political leadership role. Um, thanks for that question. That, that's such a great question. So really starting, I mean, absolutely accelerating in 2016, but it, it started before that. We at Running Start started to realize that 
even though it wasn't our direct mission at the time, our mission was get more women into politics, but that that something started happening that was so important. And it was that, as you say, you know, we really do care about bringing lots of disparate groups together in a room and then encouraging them to find common ground. And that that exercise of, I mean, for example, in our congressional fellowship program, we have four Democrats and four Republicans, and they live together in a house on Capitol Hill. Um, they room together, you know, a Republican and a Democrat. And wow. that, that exercise of being sort of forced into the company of somebody way outside your bubble, that has been one of the more transformational things that we've done. And I think when I envision who I want to be our future leaders, I want people who are going to be open to listening to the other side. I want people who are going to be open to seeing the humanity in somebody else and not just making those knee-jerk decisions. Mm-hmm. And so you were asking about the the students who come. Yeah, I think I think pretty much by the time you're in high school, most people from their parents probably, or, mm-hmm. or maybe they are, you know, they read the paper and, and, um, there are other ways too, but they, they've already pretty set uh, their political views. And yeah. So, uh, I want to tell you a story about, yeah, this is actually years ago, but, um, we, I, so we have downtime during the in-person high school program. And I used to, I used to really love sort of wandering around um, and listening to the conversations that were happening during during the downtime. And so this one night I walked into a room and you could tell it was heated. Like mm. it's just yeah. literally, you know, people on one side of the room, people on the other side of the room and voices were, were high. And I, I realized they were talking about abortion. And you think like, what in our country is more you know, likely to cause people to really get angry and upset than talking about abortion? Right. And so on one side of the room, you had a totally you know, adamant pro-choice young woman. And on the other side, you had a totally adamant um, pro-life woman. Mm-hmm. And so, but then after sort of, you know, talking about like, how could you believe that? They, they calmed down a little bit. You know, they're spending the week together. Yeah. They they need to get along. So the pro-choice woman talked about why she believed what she believed. And then the pro-life woman actually told a story about a really moving story about the fact that she had cerebral palsy and that the doctors had encouraged her mother to abort her because she had CP. And and but watching them listen to each other and understand that even though I don't think anybody's, you know, mind got changed during that conversation, but what happened was they listened and they, they understood that this person on the other side of the argument had their own reasons, personal reasons that, that came from, you know, something truly personal and important that, that made them, them hold those beliefs and just, I don't know, just, just that acknowledgement that I see why this person believes what they believe. I just, I think that that's, 
Oh, it's just, it's so powerful when you see it. And most of us don't have that, right? I mean, when's the last time you had a conversation where you were talking to somebody who was just so, you know, outside of your bubble and you were able to stay calm and listen and take it in? It's just, I think it's such an important skill. And And it's um, hard to do. Oh, yeah. When you're you're really passionate about one side of the argument. It's, it's really hard to do, but it's, it's certainly not impossible. Mm -hmm. And honing that skill that like, shut up and listen, you know, just, just listen and maybe you'll learn something. Um, It's funny because I actually have to do that a lot because of my role, because we have, you know, um, we have people from both parties on our board. We have speakers from both parties and I, I live and work in a very, um, bipartisan space, mm-hmm. but I do think that it's it's something that not only is it not prized that ability to to look for common ground, but I feel like there are times now where it's actually seen as a negative. But I really think if our goal is to have a government that actually works and that reflects all of the country, then it's a really important skill to have. Yeah, and I just think that's so incredible that your organization it does take a nonpartisan stance. And I have to imagine that that can be hard to do with, like we just talked about, with your own political views being there and and just trying to encourage both sides because the end goal is just having more women in a position of political power and politi- having political roles. Yeah. And, you know, we do things like um, just last Wednesday, we did uh, our our biggest event of the year. We did it virtually. It's a fundraiser called Young Women to Watch. And and we always have um, congressional members from both sides of the aisle. And this time we had them speak on things that were so nonpartisan. So they talked about authenticity. They talked about self-care. And they talked about, oh, just what it was like to be in Congress and, oh, why they decided to run, I guess. But, you know, doing things like that, that's a really good entry level for people is you hear this Republican congresswoman or this Democratic congresswoman, you know, whatever side you're on. And she's talking about something that you just you vibe with so much. You're like, oh, my God. Yeah, me too. I, I understand that. And it's not politics. It's just a human talking about the ways that she lives her life. And so we do a lot of things like that, that, that can help to humanize, uh, humanize people on both sides of the aisle. All right. So we can't go any further in this conversation without talking about the first female vice president being elected, (laughs) Kamala Harris. What did that feel like when that happened for your organization? What was the reaction of all the girls that you work with? Oh my God. I mean, first of all, you know, um, we weren't together, which is so sad (laughs) because, right. I mean, I, I cried, I, I'm kind of a crier, but I mean, oh my God, did I cry so much when she was giving her, um, her acceptance speech. Yeah. And, um, you know, what it means is that, it's, it's opening up this, this new door for people that they can do this thing. I mean, that's what's so, oh my God, she's a groundbreaker in so many different mm-hmm. ways, right? So um, 
you know, like I said earlier, we're always bringing in the youngest legislators we can find to talk to the uh, people in our program because they, you know, when you see somebody who looks like you mm-hmm. or whose life, you know, life trajectory is similar to yours, it's so much easier to say, oh my God, I could do this too. And so seeing Kamala Harris up there on that stage, and she, you know, like I said, she strikes so many different identity points. It's just like, I just, I just could feel the light bulbs going off in, in so many people's brains saying, this is attainable. I could do this thing. Mm -hmm. I could do this. And that's, I mean, I feel like her being there in that position, it, 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 you know, takes us light years ahead of where we were if, you know, if there just been another, another normal uh, person, like, uh, you know, expected person in the vice president's role. And when we get the first woman president, which I hope we are on the heels of. Soon, yeah, I hope so. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I just, I think that um, I can't even imagine how emotional that will feel because mm-hmm. it will basically say to everyone, um, we belong mm-hmm. in the top positions. And especially mm-hmm. if it's a, if it's a woman of color, you know, yes. we we belong here. And that is, that's just, it's really powerful. Yeah, I just can't believe it's 2021 and there hasn't been a female mm-hmm. president <laughs> in the United States. That is kind of hard to wrap your mind around. Yeah, yes. Who else do you think are some of the female game changers in political roles that we should be looking out for? Uh, I mean, I have a lot of favorites. I bet. Yeah. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> um, I mean, I'll, I'll tell you the person that... that um, that really comes to mind is Sharice Davids, who is a congresswoman who was one of the, the two first Native American women who mm-hmm. were elected to Congress back in 2018. And, and she's also LGBTQ. And she doesn't look like what you think a congresswoman has to look like. I mean, she's just she's just funky and cool. And I I think she wears cowboy boots on a regular basis. At least mm-hmm. I've seen her in them a couple times. And and she's young and she, she, you know, every time you have somebody step into power who breaks a mold, those are the people that excite me the most. Um, and actually, I'll tell you, I'll tell you one of my favorite stories, which is that um, so about a month ago, I got a call from one of our alums uh, who I, I alluded to earlier, who went through a program of ours back in 2000, I think it was 2009. It might've been mm-hmm. 10. And she, um, she wore a hijab. Uh, she still does. Um, but she, back in the day, I had this conversation with her because I said, you know, Rana, like you were so amazing during this program. I think she won, we have an elevator pitch competition. I'm, I'm pretty sure she won it, um, talking about this idea she had for starting a nonprofit. And I said, you know, I can't wait to see you run for office. And she said to me, she's like, Susanna, I can't ever run for office. I am Muslim and I wear a hijab. There's nobody like me in Congress. And she's totally right. You know, not only wasn't there, but there never had been. And so a couple years, and of course, you know what I said to her. I mean, I said, well, you know, it's got to be, you've got to be the first because if you don't do it, then, you know, 
10 years from now, some other girl's going to be saying I could never do it. So she went to Middlebury. She ran for student government. She's the only woman, the only Muslim woman, you know, not very many Muslim women on campus. And she won. And and she's just had this just awesome career since then, running this really powerful nonprofit called Malika that teaches self-defense to um, to Muslim women. And she called me about a month ago and told me she's running for Congress. Wow. So it's it's just like there's so many stories we tell ourselves where we say, I could never do this because X, because I'm an introvert, because I don't come from a family of money, um, because of my religion or my skin color or mm-hmm. my sexuality or whatever. And it's when people break those down and, and become the first. It's just, it's it's so great because it's not just that we get this new voice in power, but you get that example that opens that door wide for other people like them. And I'll tell you, you know, another is Sarah McBride, who ran for um, state senate in Delaware, and she's transgender. So seeing people like Sarah McBride run and win and be on, you know, she, I mean, she's really become on the national stage, even though she's, um, she's not in a national office. It just, it, it moves the needle so much to, for, you know, getting more women, more diverse people into positions of power. And who are some people that made an impact on you? You talk a lot about mentors Mm. and seeing yourself Mm. somewhere. What, what was that for you? Who showed you that you could found your own powerful nonprofit and make an impact on other people? That's such a good question. You know, a a lot of uh, women, I mean, I had so many wonderful women who were in, uh, who were my bosses and my mentors. But, you know, if I have to think sort of the first time that I really understood how important it was for women to, to, step up and out of the background and into these positions of power. It was when I was, um, let's see, I guess I was 28 or 30. I started working for, I went to law school. I started working for a law firm and they had as one of their partners, the former governor of Texas, Ann Richards. And I, I didn't even get to work with her that much. I mean, I had a few projects with her, but she was so transformational to me in talking about the fact that it's not going to happen for women unless we are really intentional about making it happen. You know, and she would always talk about how women, all women need to be fighting this fight for more equal power Mm -hmm. because it's not just, it's not just magically going to be given to us. We are going to have to fight for it. And when we get it, it is going to change everything because women are going to, you know, we'll be, we'll, we'll have equal power and we'll be able to legislate based on the, the things that are, are so, you know, um, real in, in women's lives that are not currently being addressed. So yeah, it, it's funny. I mean, I was 30. She was, she was actually, you know, it was later in her life um, and not that many years before she died. And it's funny when one person can have such a profound impact on you. And, mm-hmm. you know, she, she was that person for me. 
I love all that you're sharing. I feel like I could talk about it forever and I can tell you're so passionate about this work, but what, what do you love to keep up doing? What, what are some of your passions outside of your work and what keeps you busy outside of work? Oh, um, you know, I love nature. I love being outside. I mean, that's so whenever I am not at my desk um, or on a Zoom, I am outside in my garden trying to make something grow. That's my that's my passion. I just I absolutely love that. And it feeds my soul more than anything else that I do. I love it. Um, And to wrap up here, what is the best or most recent book that you've read? Oh, my God. Well, I'm like a huge reader. and okay, well, I'll give you one. I'm actually not totally finished with it, but um, I I feel like I can talk about it because um, I'm mostly finished with it. Yeah. It's called The Art of Gathering, and it's by Priya Parker. And it's how we meet and why it matters. Uh-huh. It does not sound like the kind of book I would necessarily pick up, but a friend told me to, to read it. And it's all about how you can create... Um, not, not like meetings, like some boring work meeting, although she does cover that too. But anytime you bring people together, it's about how to do it in a way that it's going to have impact. And it's going to, people are going to leave feeling like they connected and they felt something powerful. And I just, I love it. I mean, it's the sort of book that I will probably start from the beginning again, as soon as I, as I finish it. So I would highly recommend it. That's one of those books I feel like so many people in different areas of my life has, have suggested. So I feel like <gasps> Emma, I need to go pick it, it up. Oh, I haven't yet, but I need oh, to go. Do. I need to go to the library and grab it. Yes. Yes. You'll really like it. I, I have to. I'll I'll report back when I've finished okay, it. Okay, good. Yeah, please. Um, who or what is illuminating or inspiring in your life right now? Oh, you know, this may be like a cop out, but I'll tell you what just popped in my head. It's my staff. Mm. So, you know, the staff of a nonprofit, it can be so thankless because you don't get paid very much. It's not glamorous. And, you know, we, I told you, we just finished our, our biggest event of the year, which is this, um, this award show. And I just, I love my staff. They all love each other. We work together so well. They work so hard. They're so creative. And, you know, it's the first time we're doing so many things virtually, but this event had, had high stakes. And, um, so watching how gracefully they did it, it just, I mean, I've been on a high ever since then. They're, they're just, they're really wonderful people. I love that. And that's so important. It's, speaks to your leadership too, because that starts from the top to create a team that's cohesive and good, good at working together and everything like that. That stems from you, I'm sure. Well, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. And then we have illuminated your organization and I love that we have, um, but what is an organization that you would like to illuminate? Oh my gosh. Well, I mean, now I'm torn because I have <laughs> you can something. Do several. Okay, I'll tell you that um, this is the one that doesn't relate to what I do, but um, I have it up on my my screen because I want to give the money. It's called Homes on Wheels Alliance, mm-hmm. and I saw the movie Nomadland, and in it there's this guy Bob Wells, and he is sort of a an evangelist for these people who live in vans. And I heard him speak the other day. 
And I just, I just fell in love with his organization because he said, you know, they're all these mainly older women who are, I mean, they're not homeless, but they live in vans mm-hmm. and, um, his organization supports them. And I just, I think it's, it's so beautiful. That has nothing to do with what I do for a living, but, um, I really like that. And, and there are great groups like represent women and ignite and she should run and vote run lead they all are right in the same wheelhouse as Running Start and they do excellent, excellent work. So I'd call them out too. And to finish it off, what is your one message to send to the world? Oh, well, that's so easy. Um, yeah, if I, if I could broadcast one message to the world, it would be don't undermine yourself. You know, realize that you have all of these voices in your head that say you can't do things and it's within your power to tell them, you know what, I think I can do it Mm -hmm. because we hold ourselves back so much and we could be achieving so much more if we could just shut down those voices. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to my conversation and a big thank you to Susanna for coming on the show and chatting with me. If you love what Running Start is doing and you want to continue to follow along, you can find them at their website, runningstart.org, or you can find them on Instagram at runningstart. And if you loved this episode or any recent episodes, we would love if you shared about it on social media. Make sure to tag us at the Illuminate Podcast on Instagram and at Illuminate underscore pod on Twitter. And we will make sure to share that. Along with that, another way you can help us grow the show is to leave a rating or review on your favorite podcast app. That is just such a helpful way for new listeners to find the show and help us to continue to grow and bring great guests on. All right, that's all I have for today. So thank you all for listening to my conversation and I hope you enjoy the rest of your week.